0: Welcome to the Mothman in the Bible Belt Podcast, with your host, Buck Fantastic.
1: Girl Scout cookies. Imagine living in a place where electric and water is rationed and home demolitions and evictions are the norm. Imagine a bunch of delusional illegal immigrants jumping or degrading you for being on what they refer to as their land. Imagine having your right to travel severely restricted. Imagine getting shot at or bombed for rebelling against these social injustices. What I just described is what life is like for Palestinians living under Israeli occupation. With two Palestinian journalists being shot and killed by the Israeli Defense Forces within the past three weeks, I thought that a giant spotlight needed shined on the occupation of Palestine. After all, the U.S. government gives $3.8 billion in foreign aid to the government of Israel's military annually. Our taxpayer dollars is essentially being used to keep Palestinians whipped into submission and in line or they get shot or bombed. On this episode of the Mothman the Bible Belt Podcast, I have Mondo Weiss, founder, senior editor, and journalist Philip Weiss. Mondo Weiss is an online news and analysis publication aimed at bringing the Palestinian perspective of the occupation to the United States. Weiss is going to break down the occupation Zionism, the Israel lobby, and Palestinian life under Israeli apartheid. We're also going to discuss journalists being murdered by the Israeli government. Join me, your host, Buck Fantastic, for another exciting episode of the Mothman in the Bible Belt podcast. Because the government of Israel ethnically cleansing Palestinians at U.S. taxpayer expense is not cool, it's demented, and it's got to stop. Phil, How would you describe your online publication, Mondo Weiss, in a nutshell?
0: I'd say it's a uh, journalistic advocacy effort to bring the Palestinian cause and an understanding of it to the United States.
1: For my listeners living under a rock, what's going on with Israel and Palestine? What's fueling the so-called conflict?
0: In the land of Palestine, or what Zionists call the land of Israel, between the River Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea, there are roughly similar numbers of Palestinians and Jews, about six or seven million of each. And for the last 74 years, the Jews have had a state there. Israel has been a state recognized by the world. At the same time that state was created, the world promised the Palestinians that they would get a state, and that promise has never been fulfilled. And so between the river and the sea, one people has supremacy, the Jews of Israel. And they've been taking more and more of the land that had been assigned to Palestinians for their state and frustrating all efforts for Palestinians to get a state. And so most of those 7 million Palestinians either have no rights at all or are second-class citizens inside the state of Israel. That is fueling the conflict. Inequality is fueling the conflict.
1: What has the occupation done for the two Palestinian territories?
0: What has it done to them? Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, I you know there're actually there's more than two in the sense that the Golan Heights are also occupied by Israel
1: that's serious, but Syria yeah. used to end right?
0: Yes, and Jordan used to have the sovereignty over the West Bank and East Jerusalem, which Israel got in nineteen sixty seven um the occupation has sought to divide the Palestinian communities, and say there's one group of Palestinians in Israel, there's another group in the West Bank, there's a third group in East Jerusalem, there's a fourth group in Gaza under Hamas, and all of you are different groups of people. You are atomized and shattered and um, disconnected. And Palestinians have resisted that effort to fragment their uh, sort of national unity, if you will.
1: How many illegal settlements exist in the West Bank currently?
0: I don't know. I guess it's not a number I should know. Uh, it is a number I should know. I uh, I guess that there are around between fifty and seventy. Uh, some of them are very small. Some of them are illegal outposts and shepherd posts, shepherd stations. Uh created on Palestinian land. The number that I keep better track of is how many illegal settlers there are, almost all of them Jewish in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. And that's around 750,000. So around 50,0 are in the West Bank, uh, in settlements around the West Bank. And then uh, another 250 roughly are in East Jerusalem.
1: And are these Palestine. settlers displacing the Palestinians?
0: In many cases, they have displaced the Palestinians. Yes, or they've they've. Um, yes, the government policy is to displace Palestinians in many areas of the West Bank. And uh, what you see over the course of uh, fifty years of this project is that Palestinian life has been. Uh, pushed out of large areas of the West Bank and even of of the largest, uh, one of the uh, the largest West Bank cities, Hebron. They've been pushed out of the the, the areas in which they lived in Hebron to make way for Jewish settlers. So everywhere the settlers have gone, even when they've taken uh, farmland where people aren't living on as such, or hilltops, they have uh, um, cut off the Palestinian way of life and reduce and push Palestinians out of their homes too.
1: This week, the Israeli government began bulldozing Palestinian homes in the Masafer Yada villages of the West Bank. Thousands of Palestinians have lived there for decades. The Israeli government wants to use the land as a military training zone. How is this legal?
0: Well, none of it's legal. Uh, but Israel has a policy of creating what it calls facts on the ground. And just as any powerful uh, society or country or nation has demonstrated throughout history, when a country acts, uh, when, when people act, might is often right, and facts on the ground is, uh, or might is not, if not right, might creates this kind of uh, quote-unquote Uh, historical legitimacy and um, Israel is a settler colonial state uh, and it's created more and more colonies and and uh, attracted immigrants to settle on Palestinian land and these acts are illegal and the world often condemns them through the UN but there's no action is ever taken largely uh, due to the influence of the United States at the UN and other world fora. So there's simply no uh, enforcement of the law in these cases. In this case that you mentioned, um, a few dozen uh, Democratic Congress people have objected and written angry letters to the State Department about the ethnic cleansing, but uh, which is a sort of a high watermark. Usually it's only a dozen or two. So here you have, I think, uh, something on the order of 70 or 80 who are objecting. But again, they are a minority, and the State Department, while making the right noises, will do absolutely nothing. It will show lip service, but do nothing as it plans. Joe Biden's trip to Israel later this month. What
1: will happen to the people of Musafer Yarder?
0: Thank you. Uh, Yeah, good question. Uh, You know... um, Many of the people in Masafariata, and I, can't, I don't know that I'm pronouncing it uh, the correct way, uh, but many of those people are already uh, been displaced before. They're living in tents. Their house has been demolished before. They will be uh, forced into um, uh, sort of more urban Palestinian areas in the West Bank. That is the plan. To sort of concentrate palestinian life in uh certain areas and um clear that land for the use by the jewish state
1: why do you think americans are all crickets over israel demolishing palestinian homes and shooting or bombing the palestinians when they rebel but are all outraged over russia invading and bombing
0: ukraine well <laughs> it's a great question excuse me uh, I do have COVID. I'm getting over COVID. It's a good question. The the the. Um, I mean, I I would turn it back on you in the sense that you're paying attention to this in West Virginia, right? Yep. Okay. One of you. What's that? One of you. Okay. So why are you paying attention to it? And how long have you been paying attention to it? And does the fact that you're paying attention to it mean that uh, more and more Americans are paying attention to it, which I would say is the case. Younger people, people uh, generally on the Democratic side, are beginning to care as much about Palestine as they care about Israel, according to surveys, even more about Palestine than Israel. So perhaps those crickets will fade in time. As to the Ukraine, I mean, obviously, you have uh, the big Democrat, uh, both parties, you know, Uh, loving the idea of a cold war with Russia, and obviously, uh, to some degree, concerned with human rights and uh, bi- violations, and refugees, and um, uh, you know, war crimes in the Ukraine.
1: I've just been paying attention since I think I went to uh, um, a pro-Palestinian rally in two thousand nine. Then, two thousand eleven, there was a rally for Gaza I went to. Mm-hmm. and um that's when I and I'm not I'm not even a Democrat anymore I'm a left-leaning independent okay. so okay. Okay. But, I, but I'm a, I know that in my opinion Jewish Zionism feeds Christian Zionism which in turn is creating this whole illusion that Armageddon's breaking out mm-hmm. in the Holy Land mm-hmm. and that's feeding the fanatics in our country and keeping them mm-hmm. constantly mm-hmm. hung up on divisive social issues Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's like human rights over there and human rights here. I mean, both are taking mm-hmm. hitting because of the fanaticism from the two different strains of Zionism. Yeah, interesting. Being and-
0: yeah, I like your analysis. Yeah, I, I'm obviously I'm more concerned with um, Jewish Zionism because I'm Jewish and uh, I feel it as a. I know it personally. I don't know. Uh, the Christian Zionism personally. I mean, I didn't grow up with it. And so it's my particular, you know, that's my cross to bear, you know, is Jewish Zionism. So I have a responsibility as a journalist to examine what Jews are doing to uh, create these human rights atrocities and yeah, feed the fanaticism uh, here.
1: Were you a Zionist in your younger years?
0: I can't say I was no, not really. I mean, I grew up in a family that was a little bit eccentric. wasn't really part of the Jewish community. But I, when I got bar mitzvahed, uh, I grew up in Baltimore. When I got bar mitzvahed, they gave me Zionist texts, but I didn't really absorb them. I, I we weren't. Had we been members of the Jewish community, uh, we had lots of Jewish friends. We were members of the community, but had we been members of the organized Jewish community, I surely would have become. A Zionist or been more indoctrinated because it was doctrine in the 60s and 70s as I was growing up inside the Jewish community to support Israel. Still is doctrine in the organized Jewish community. But um it really is uh promulgated, propagated, disseminated inside uh, you know, sort of official Jewish spaces, so that when Israel when the Six Day War happened, as Israel calls it, nineteen sixty-seven, my best friend came up to me in elementary school and said, "Did you hear? Um, the Israeli jets uh, destroyed the uh, Egyptian air force on the tarmac in Cairo." Wow! Isn't that great news? Now that was—I hadn't followed that news. I was didn't care. I was eleven years old. Whatever, but it's—it's um, it's a measure of how caught up in uh israel chauvinism israel's militarism the american jewish community was this is a liberal jewish community in baltimore that was opposing the vietnam war vehemently and yet was supporting israel's wars against uh, palestinians and arabs
1: on may 11th palestinian american journalist shireen abu akla was reporting on the israeli defense force home raids in the West Bank for Al Jazeera, when she was shot and killed by the IDF. Zionist political organizations were quick to come to the Israeli government's aid. APAC released the following statement via Twitter the following day. It is an outrage that the Palestinian Authority refuses to share evidence into the death of Shireen Abu Akla, Blaming Israel before a thorough objective investigation is pure propaganda, U.S. leaders... Must condemn this and demand the Palestinians cooperate to reveal the truth. This is commonplace with AIPAC, right?
0: Yes, it is. It's commonplace among uh, Israel lobby organizations, including right-wing ones. You're good. You're a good radio reader, man. Um, and that was well told. Yeah, it's really common, and uh, many other organizations in the center and right Israel lobby. Uh, made similar statements. Now, some liberal Zionist organizations which also support giving endless money to Israel from the United States and support Zionism, some of them made critical statements and said uh, there has to be an independent investigation of this killing by the United States or international organizations. But yeah, I mean, this is part of the tragedy that you have these large organizations inside the Jewish community who, a uh, wonderful journalist is slain at 51, shot by a sniper, almost certainly an Israeli, uh, more and more evidence has uh, demonstrated that it really was an Israeli but um, sniper. But at the time, the eyewitnesses on the ground in the Janine said, that's who shot her. Those snipers 500 feet down the road there and is by the Israeli uh, jeeps. And yet those eyewitnesses uh, were ignored by these American Jewish organizations. They called them, as you just quoted, propaganda. Here you have someone, uh, an atrocity of the highest order, the killing of a journalist, something that animated the Congress when Saudi Arabia killed Jamal Khashoggi. And here's a situation in which uh, even CNN has said that the Israeli sniper targeted Shireen Abu Akla, and these American Jewish organizations have, have nothing to say except. Blame
1: the Palestinians. Yeah, sixty House Democrats wrote a letter addressed to the State Department, FBI, requesting independent investigation to Shireen Abu Akla's death at the hands of the IDF. Do you really think that's going to fall on deaf ears?
0: I don't, but I'm a very hopeful person, so I I tend to be optimistic about these things. But I would point out that. So to, to, to sound the optimistic note, it is true that many media organizations are not letting the death of Shireen Abu Akla disappear. Uh, the New York Times has run a good op-ed on the subject by Diana Butu. The CNN and the AP have both investigated the killing uh, and showing that uh, an Israeli sniper almost certainly did it, uh, overwhelming evidence that an Israeli sniper did it. And uh, as you point out, these uh, 57 congressmen are demanding an investigation. Even liberal Zionist organizations demand an investigation. The State Department is feeling the heat. The State Department makes continual statements about, um, we are calling Israel to conduct a thorough uh, investigation quickly. Now, the preposterous element of the State Department's statements and of Anthony Blinken's comments too, is the idea that Israel would conduct a thorough and fair investigation. It won't do that. And MSNBC itself did very powerful reporting the other night when Rafe Sanchez uh, in um, Jerusalem said that he had asked Israel about the killing of the, the Gaza journalist Yasser Murtacha. Four years ago in 2018, he was shot by an Israeli sniper, also wearing a press flak vest, as Shireen Abu Akla was, also wearing a blue helmet, clearly identified as press, was shot by a sniper. And uh, there was international outrage then. And uh, Rafe Sanchez asked, well, Israel, what happened with your investigation? And it said, oh, well, uh, we did not... Uh, uh, it, we did not pursue the matter. It was not seen as uh, a violation of our uh, 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 rules of order or rules of engagement, whatever. Israel covered up that killing of this young journalist, Yasser Mortacha, And so the expectation by the State Department that it's going to do a thorough and fair uh, investigation now is absurd. And um, that now's the time for uh, the United States to demand uh, that it see the evidence or the, the FBI see the evidence or uh, the State Department. Some independent agencies, international agencies, should be conducting investigation of this atrocity.
1: According to Al Jazeera, at least 45 journalists have been killed by Israeli forces since 2000. And two days ago, another Palestinian journalist, Gufran Haran Sne, was shot by the IDF near the Al arub refugee camp. Yes. Two Palestinians were murdered, including her, during the raids in Jenin, in Jenin and Bethlehem.
0: Yeah, who's the killings to blame? don't. The killings don't end.
1: Yeah, I mean, this these are international crimes. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're war crimes. I mean, yes, yes. But yet, no one's getting punished for them.
0: That's true. And when you say who's to blame, I would say. That- <laughs> That the occupation is to blame in these cases because um, Zionism goes beyond the occupation and Israel's uh, uh, violations of international law are not strictly in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. But in the cases that you mentioned, you have, uh, uh, as you indicated earlier in this discussion, ongoing illegal settlement uh, by, on a racist basis, Jews. Uh, taking Palestinian land, a system that has been called apartheid by the leading human rights organizations of the world, including Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International, both in the last year. And Betzalem. And B'Tselem in in Israel, yes, Al haq in Palestine. So you have under the the rules of under an apartheid system. there are settlers illegal settlers taking palestinians land moving them off their land people are going to resist that i mean imagine i always tell people when they we talk i talk about this in the united states imagine if someone forced me out of my house and you know uh took over the land on some religious basis and said that they you know they'd seen god here 3000 years ago or whatever i mean I can tell you that, if, I mean, uh, and my neighbors too, if they experience, I know that we'd be up in the hills around here with guns. I just know that that's what would happen. Uh, I know American history well enough. I know human history well enough to know that you create, that it fosters violent resistance. So when uh, I think that, and, and then the um, Israeli occupying forces have to be more and more brutal, and that's what they have been. They're demonstrating over the last few weeks.
1: The Palestinian population is growing. You hear about Palestinians having their building permits rejected for Area C. Why is it so difficult for Palestinians to get a building permit from the Israeli government to build homes when well, you know their population is growing?
0: Well, because Israel's not a democracy. Israel's an apartheid system. Now, if Israel were a democracy, presumably every uh, citizen and or everyone who's subject to rule would have an equal right to uh, you know, building permits. They could all walk down to town hall and apply for a permit like we do here and get it or not get it based on the code. Um, but to answer your question, I think most directly, the reason um, that they're not getting uh, building permits is that um, in four years ago Israel passed a law called the nation-state law and this says that Jews have higher rights in in Palestine and Israel in both these lands than Palestinians do it says it explicitly and in fact the passage of that law four years ago is why Human Rights Watch finally said, after years of people saying, are you going to look into apartheid? Are you going to look at apartheid? Human Rights Watch said, we had to do it at this point. We uh, Israel explicitly was calling itself uh, the Jewish state and saying explicitly in that law, they say Jews have a higher right have an exclusive right of self-determination in the land of Israel. The exclusive right of self-determination. It's like saying that Christians have the exclusive right of self-determination in the United States. What does self-determination mean? It means uh, basic sort of uh, rights and expressions of uh, citizenship like higher language rights and higher rights of land. So the, the state The the parliament has said Jews have a higher right to land than Palestinians. And this law, which was so upsetting to liberal Zionists in the United States who say Israel has a declaration of independence, says all people are equal, this law has never been, It's come under a lot of pressure from people who want to see a good Israel. Israel has never retracted it, will never retract it, has doubled down on it, and the legislature just gets more right-wing. So that's really the the other cause that I continually re, uh, go to is the role of the uh, Jewish-Israel lobby in the United States, which refuses to put pressure on Israel and resists all efforts by the United States government to put pressure on Israel. And if Why I might you- just go on for another second here, the most... Uh, The strongest U.S. objection that has occurred to Israeli settlements, Israeli expansion, Israeli violations of law, uh, of international uh, law, the strongest objection took place, recently took place, when uh, Barack Obama was a lame duck in December of 2016 the last few weeks of his presidency he allowed a security council resolution to go through calling the settlements a a flagrant violation of international law he the united states abstained on that didn't even support it but it allowed it to go through and donald trump who was uh, president elect and jared kushner his son-in-law uh did all they could with the russians to try he they went to the russians to try to veto that security council resolution that is the one exception I can even point to in US policy in recent years and was under a lame duck presidency.
1: Why do you think many evangelical Christians blindly support the government of Israel when you hear stories coming out of the West Bank showing Israeli settlers going after Palestinian Christians and Christian churches the way some have done Palestinian Muslims and mosques? Israel has demolished its fair share of Palestinian Christian homes as it has Palestinian Muslim homes, haven't
0: they? Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's a rhetorical question. I think that you're stating the problem in the question, and you sort of—well, I don't know that you know the answer. I don't know the answer. I, well, I don't think- know.
1: I mean, you hear—you
0: hear—the thing is, you hear about—you yeah. hear about the Israeli
1: settlers going yeah. after muslim palestinians yeah, yeah, of
0: course yeah it's but all they true. also
1: go after christians as yeah, well yeah, in absolutely. Palestine.
0: yeah yeah no i think i'm when i say rhetorical question i think you're making a good argument there and i wish you'd were you know had a bigger bigger loudspeaker on it i don't know the answer to your question i do know that i mean obviously <laughs> um you know their religious uh there are various religious stories that people tell themselves about the Jewish return to the land of Israel, presaging the apocalypse. And I think under certain Christian theory, it's necessary for there to be an ingathering of Jews in the ancient land of Israel in order for uh, you know, the kingdom of God on earth to take place with Jesus return. I'm not sure. I think the second coming is predicated on First, the Jews regathering. But I regard that all as malarkey, both on the Jewish side, the Muslim side, the Christian side. I'm not a good believer of those old stories. But I would say that so that there's certainly a strong political support for that in the Christian, right wing Christian community in the United States. I'd also say that the trends that I spoke of earlier, in which young people and Democrats are beginning to challenge American support from uh israel those trends are true among evangelical young people too and um chris young christians i think are getting a clue about this they're re- they're on social media they're seeing uh some of these broadcasts they're not dumb and <coughs> they're responding as they should and i think uh they'll be part of this movement that is so important in the united states for palestinian human rights
1: in the past few years, there's been a huge discussion about Zionism. Many people around the globe view it as a racist ideology, except for the US, Canada, and the UK. How would you define Zionism, and do you think it's inciting global anti Semitism?
0: I would define Zionism as a desire, as a, a activism and desire. Elements of an ideology, in other words. uh, To create a political state for Jews of Jewish sovereignty in. The Holy Land. So it's a movement that has existed in the West. uh, In a. Small or large way for the last hundred and fifty years. Especially as um, the persecution of Jews became more intense in Eastern Europe and in Western Europe as well. So a key moment in the history of Zionism was in 1896 when Theodor Herzl, the founder of political Zionism, an Austrian journalist, Hungarian-Austrian journalist, was attending the Dreyfus trial in Paris and heard people saying death to the Jews in the streets of Paris and said we need a place to go as Jews we're not safe here now today that was 1896 that's that's some of the roots of zionism today the full expression of zionism is young Jews chanting in the streets of Jerusalem death to arabs that is the flag march through Jerusalem that uh, thousands and thousands of Jews attended. Many Palestinians were beaten up, assaulted, sprayed with pepper, thrown rocks, thrown at them. There were clashes, but overwhelmingly, Palestinians were arrested. And none of the people who chanted these slogans, death to Arabs, Shireen is dead, they weren't arrested. And so that, I'm sorry,
1: it's disturbing.
0: It's very disturbing. So that is what Zionism is today. Zionism began as a "quote-unquote" liberation movement for Jews in Europe, and its full uh, realization has been the subjugation, and discrimination, and dehumanization of Palestinians. Uh, now, it's also, you know, people can say, "Well, you're leaving out all the things Zionism has done, all its uh, successes," of, uh, and you can certainly point to a lot of economic. Um, Growth in uh, the land of uh, the state of Israel that Zionism has uh, pushed and created, but it's all been at a terrible cost.
1: Do you think it's inciting global anti Semitism?
0: I guess I do think so. I think that, um, well, I think that efforts. The efforts by the organized Jewish community around the world and in the countries that you mentioned, especially the UK, Canada, United States, and Australia, efforts in those countries to assert that Jews support Zionism, all the major Jewish organizations support Zionism. Indeed, Zionism is a Jewish expression. Zionism to be Jewish is to be Zionist. All these efforts are are dangerous to jews and because they are associating jews all jews including me with this place that i find to be uh hateful in its um policies and apartheid state so that argument is a difficult argument to make but certainly um lately sylvain chapelle this french journalist has made it israel is dangerous to jews hannah arendt the great a German-American intellectual made it in the 1940s. uh, As Israel becomes an embattled Spartan state, she said, it will call on Jews around the world to support it, and this could be dangerous to Jews. The sociologist, uh, Harvard sociologist, uh, Nathan Glazer, he made this argument uh, many years ago that uh, Jewish support for Israel would uh, cause us to be endangered. And uh, more recently, <laughs> Tony Klug at um, J Street has made this argument. Uh, what I'm saying is that many Jewish intellectuals have pointed out the dangers of forcing Jew or compelling Jews to support Israel and stand up for Israel. It- it's identifying Jews with a really hateful brand.
1: How are U.S. Zionist political organizations impacting U.S. policy regarding the occupation?
0: I think that the occupation is an American Jewish achievement because for the last 50 years American Jewish organizations have forced American politicians to stand by the occupation. So I'll give you two efforts by American politicians to counter the occupation. George Herbert Walker Bush in 1991 didn't want to give loan guarantees, $10 billion in loan guarantees to Israel for uh, so so could build housing for uh Jews coming from the Soviet Union, uh until Israel stopped the settlements. George H.W. Bush said this is key. wow. Uh, you didn't know that?
1: I'm still learning.
0: That's fine. No, no, I'm not trying to accuse, I'm not I'm just it's a landmark, so it's good. It's a library. lot
1: to take in. You okay, know,
0: no, no, no. I'm not okay. So let me be let me be let me be a little bit explicit about this. So George H.W. Bush stood out there and said, I've got thousands of lobbyists coming up here telling me not to do this. I got to stop this. And he was called anti-Semitic for this because he was calling out the Israel lobby. And the Israel lobby worked against him in the coming election, the 1992 election. George Bush was a one-term president, and he and others have blamed his loss of a second term on the fact that he took on the Israel lobby. Bill Clinton ran to george bush's right on settlements he said you can do anything you want in the occupied territories in so many words and even tom friedman of the new york times has said the political lesson that came to george bush the younger who became president in 2000 was never take on israel because my daddy lost his second term on that basis the other politician whose opposition to settlements i want to bring to your attention was a young senator from Delaware named Joe Biden, who slammed the table in uh, around 1981. I think it was. Uh, I, I forget how long he was in the Senate. <laughs> it was in his first term. He slammed the table with a visiting Israeli prime minister and said, "You've got to stop this settlement business. How are the Palestinians ever going to have a state? How are they ever going to get? You're taking over their land." And that incident. Not only did uh, Joe Biden live to um uh regret that statement his his campaign staff denied that it had happened during the last election because Joe Biden had to please the Israel lobby. The Israel lobby is so powerful inside the Democratic Party. Joe Biden removed the language about occupation and settlements from the Democratic Party platform. Why did he do that? Because of the role of the Israel lobby and the support of right-wing Jewish Zionists, uh, campaign support inside the Democratic Party, and that's why the United States has stood by for fifty years as Israel has gobbled up Palestinian land and shot Palestinian journalists dead. That's why I'm not a Democrat anymore. <laughs> that's a good I reason. Mean,
1: they, won't, they won't take a hard stand on anything, and that's why they—that's why we're a red state in West Virginia.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Okay. I mean, they're very right-wing in West Virginia. Yes. So. They come by this, it
0: honestly, don't they? I mean, that's the way the people are, right?
1: In this state, most definitely. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: The American Israeli Public Affairs Committee, a.k.a. APAC, yes. is lobbying Congress and state legislatures to make it a crime for Americans to participate in the boycotts, divestments, and sanctions movement. Yes. Last year, the West Virginia legislature passed anti-BDS bill, House Bill 2933, which created the Anti-Discrimination Against Israel Act. (laughs) Yeah, uh, West Virginia Delegate Kayla Kessinger was the main sponsor. She was flown to Israel by an unnamed Christian Zionist organization. Only one policymaker, Delegate Barbara Evans-Fleshire, voted against the bill. Does this shock you coming from West Virginia?
0: No <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I mean, in fairness to West Virginia, y'all are not the only ones who are doing this. you know, there are 28 states doing this types of this type of legislation. And our governor in New York, excuse me, Andrew Cuomo, former governor, he signed an executive order making it you know, uh, punishing those who take state funds or do business with the state. Uh, advocating for BDS, and in Texas, the law, um, you know, resulted in uh, uh, a teacher, I think, losing employment or suing the state over this. So this is anti-free speech, of course. Boycott is a traditional way for people to express their views about uh, things that they find objectionable. Uh, in Alabama, the Montgomery bus boycott is credited in the 1950s. Uh, as a major part of the civil rights movement in this country to give black people a franchise or, or greater, you know, greater rights than they had under Jim Crow. So uh, boycott's a great thing. And in this case, um, these 28 states or so are pursuing you know, blatantly anti-constitutional measures. I think it's good for the BDS movement because anybody who even looks at this for a second realizes this is nuts and um, even the liberal Zionist organizations uh, which have called BDS an anti-Semitic movement. J Street has endorsed legislation. J Street is a big liberal Zionist organization in the Democratic Party. It is has uh, endorsed legislation that calls BDS anti-Semitic. Even they say, well, you shouldn't, people have a right to support BDS.
1: Isn't BDS similar to the campaign that was used to end apartheid in South Africa in the 90s
0: yes it was very, it's very similar to that it's modeled on that to some degree and uh, yes it is and it will succeed the way that the one in South Africa succeeded
1: is apac a human rights organization
0: i wouldn't call it that i think it i don't think it calls itself human rights organization i think it apac would call itself a, a pro israel organization and i call it a right wing uh you know, Zionist organization.
1: Hear this. Yes. APAC National Councilman, Rabbi Victor Yurecki. He's the rabbi of Benite Jacob here in Charleston. Rabbi Yurecki has infiltrated several so-called progressive groups in West Virginia. A few people have referred to him as a human rights advocate. He currently serves as the board president of the West Virginia Interfaith Refugee Ministry. In March, the ACLU of West Virginia awarded Yurecki. With the ACLU Sid Bell Memorial Award at their annual Bill of Rights dinner. That was this year. Are these APAC National Council people propagandists for APAC spreading pro Israel lunacy? The man rode the fence on Israel bombing the Gaza Strip last year and was silent on the bombings that took place in Gaza afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's how I perceive the man yes. as like a Trojan horse.
0: Yes. Well, I think that. You know, they are a Trojan horse in as much as they care most about one issue. And that issue is Israel. And they will use any um, sort of cloak they can uh, to gain the uh, support of American politicians. So, for instance, APAC has given money to certain pro-Trump uh Republicans, people who support the big lie because they also support Israel. So APAC has dispensed with certain principles it has about democracy because these people support Israel. In a similar way, the ADL, which is an anti-defamation League, a big Israel supporting organization, it claims to care about Muslim human rights,, uh, religious freedom in the United States, and we'll even take some actions in favor of such measures and support uh, you know, religious freedom uh, uh, in, in legislation, say, on Capitol Hill, and even do some good anti-racism work. At the same time, with its other hand, it's supporting Israel. And that's a core commitment. It will never turn on Israel. So there's a contradiction and hypocrisy that's true even of liberal Zionist organizations. Liberal Zionist organizations are very strongly in support of, or or have been in support of Black Lives Matter movement in the United States, and yet (laughs) they cannot support a similar (laughs) movement inside Palestinian society, uh, which is BDS. Palestinians ask Americans to support BDS, and liberal Zionist organizations uh, are sort of Somewhat blind to the racism over there. They, didn't they the Anti Didn't sorry. the
1: Ansar Defamation League uh, slam some Black Lives Matter activists a few years back for um, equating the lives of Black Americans with Palestinians?
0: Yes, it did. It did. Yeah, it regularly does that kind of thing. It says, yeah, it it says that it seems to think that life is great for Palestinians. Uh, in Israel and the West Bank and occupied territories. So they're they're all lying. And even the liberal Zionist organizations are lying about this in as much as they refuse to accept the apartheid label. You go over there, you walk around for five minutes and you say, wow, I've only read about apartheid in the history books, I've seen a movie about it. This is apartheid. It's just plain as the nose on your face when you see it. When you see the Jewish uh, uh, settlers streaming through with their cars into the west bank and the palestinians at Cattlegate gate trying to get in and out of uh, to jerusalem uh and and so they're segre- so the segregation is blatant and it's on a jewish palestinian basis everywhere before your eyes and liberal zionists can acknowledge that
1: three west virginia mayors signed on to the american jewish committee's mayors united against anti-semitism letter including Charleston Mayor Amy Goodwin. This organization decries criticism of Israel as being anti-Semitic. Mayor Goodwin recently met with Rabbi Yureki and Benjamin Krasna, the deputy head of the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., to discuss economic opportunities with Israel and anti-Semitism. Should West Virginians be concerned about their elected leaders having such relationships with israel and zionist organizations
0: are you concerned about it
1: very okay i mean to me it's like i haven't heard anything negative about rabbi iraqi so i'm not slamming him on that count. but i don't understand why any self-respecting man of god would want to be involved in an organization <laughs> that whitewashes <laughs> people getting murdered and having their homes demolished yeah, it doesn't make any sense you. to me it's fucked I up
0: i agree with you I agree with you. It should cause
1: light bulbs to go off in people's heads
0: Yeah, as to what these people's real intentions are. Yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's terrible. I mean, the thing is that it's getting politicized slowly. This stuff is becoming politicized. And, you know, right now it's anti-Semitic to raise these questions. But, you know, uh, Donald Trump you know, raises the question of how much we are spending in the Ukraine, the United States, and whether we should be spending that money at home. Now, those are his political values being expressed. And obviously, he has a perfect right to ask that question. Anyone has a perfect right to ask that question, where we spend our money. When you ask that question about (laughs) Israel, why we're spending our money over there, giving all this money, and rather than here, you're accused of being an anti-Semite so that uh or or you know you're having a conspiracy theory whatever it is so normal political discourse is off limits when it comes to israel because of this anti-semitism fear and we've got to break that down that is what's happening right now i believe in american society jews have to give other people permission to discuss this people are afraid to discuss this because they are afraid to be accused of being anti-Semitic. being accused of anti-Semitism is a very serious charge it can end a career it's like being accused of racism and people don't want that uh, i understand yeah. that i've been accused of anti-Semitism many times but be that as it may i'm jewish and therefore i have a kind of a uh i'm perceived to have a more authority on this question than others and so it's very important that Jews help break this uh hammer lock on the American discourse. I'm trying.
1: The Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt said mm-hmm. that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism, labeled Palestinian human rights groups as extremists. Yes. And equated critics of Israel to white supremacists. Yeah. The crazy. ADL doesn't take that full position, does it?
0: I think it does now. I think it says that this white nationalism that y'all are so concerned about, we're so concerned about in the United States that's so virulent and dangerous, uh, they said, well, anti-Zionism's just as bad. They said that. Jonathan Greenblatt has said that. Now, he has been mocked, uh, scorned, and criticized by many liberal Jews over this. And Happily, even the New Yorker magazine, which has uh, been very supportive of Israel over the years, even the New Yorker <laughs> found this these comments to be absurd, you know. So he has been somewhat embarrassed about it, but he hasn't retreated over it. And this is a guy who gets interviewed as an expert on anti-Semitism on MSNBC and CNN. I haven't seen you on MSNBC or CNN lately. But Jonathan Greenblatt, gets, and I haven't been on there either. No, no shade cast on you there, man. Do but, they not
1: even go after like people like you from? Since you are a credible journalist, you're reporting on this at my voice.
0: Yeah, I like to think so. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Do they go after me? What? What? No,
1: do like like what? Do they not even go to you all like to have a perspective? Do any of these uh, mainstream media outlets go after you all? I mean, it's rarely, rarely you see that you yeah. people like you or um people from jewish voice for peace or
0: it's very rare it's very rare or the
1: adela project
0: yes yeah you don't see them enough now that's going to change but yes we're we're marginalized and then you see (laughs) these (laughs) right-wing hacks zionist hacks on these shows all the time including michael lauren or Yulia yofi today on wnyc uh uh supporting the uh uh you know united states getting more militarily involved in uh, the ukraine yeah i we're marginalized but i think that's changing i think that the fact that um you see uh iman uh, on msnbc that you see Mehdi hassan on msnbc these are very important uh developments um when you can see uh arabs and arab americans on american television who don't share a piety about zionism they're just not indoctrinated in zionism as so many jews are
1: i've noticed in the aftermath of the idf bombing the hell of gaza last year yes more publications started reporting more on what's going on between israel and the palestinians compared to Decades. I mean, there was some. There was a write up in the um, Charleston Gazette-Mail about what's been going on over there, and I wrote an op-ed that they published in support of the Palestinians. I figured they would say we don't want to publish this shit, mm-hmm. but it got published. I mean, I just, I just think that That's you know, great. after they, after they bombed the building that contained the AP. And Al Jazeera yes. last year. Yes. I think it opened the floodgates. Do you think that?
0: It's funny that you bring that up. Oh, I think it's great what you're doing. And I'll have to do a podcast with you sometime, Mondo-wise. But um, because you're, you're good ears on the ground for for us on this issue in the quote-unquote heartland. You bring up an incident during the May 21, 2021 onslaught of Israel on Gaza where they, they, they warned people to leave this office building and then they destroyed it. And the video of this modern office building falling in Gaza was really, I think, shocking to, not shocking to me, it was part of what Israel does, but I think shocking to a lot of Americans, including people in the press who were told this is where the offices of all these journalists were. And it was destroyed by Israel. You know, they don't want people reporting on this. They shot Shireen Abu Akhla um, in uh, the West Bank, you know, on May 11th, as you pointed out, and the same day their spokesperson said, uh, these people are armed with cameras. I mean, what kind of idiot would say that unless that betrays some intention on their part to muzzle the press? So I think these things are shocking, and I think that they're breaking through to Americans. Do you think the press would see that as
1: 9-11? Right. That building coming down. They yeah. had those two um, news outlets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I should have said the 9-11 thing. It was really it, it had 9-11 echo. And I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Is it true that there was a story a few years, I think it was a decade or so ago, that Israel was segregating black Ethiopian Jews and giving them birth control shots?
0: It was true that. I, I got to be careful here because I don't remember the facts. And as a journalist, you're supposed to be concerned with facts. I am. Yeah. Um, it's true that some of these Ethiopian refugees were being kept uh, over long in a camp in the desert, and I believe, um, and there was a lot of racism around there. You know, they were quote unquote Jews. They were Jewish, but. They were black, and there was a lot of racism toward them in Tel Aviv and other places. And so they were subject to these kind of inhuman conditions at this camp. I think that it did include some birth control measures at some point that may have been involuntary, but I'm sorry that it's a little fuzzy.
1: What's your thoughts on General Mills divesting in Israel after years of operating a Pillsbury manufacturing facility on an illegal Israeli settlement?
0: Well, they said it's a business decision, and they're not divesting from Israel as such. It's the West Bank, but it's great news. Anytime an American company has the wit and sense to get out of the occupied territories, it's progress. Now, I wish that they would boycott Israel as well, but as Omar Barghouti of the BDS campaign said to me several years ago, if you want to boycott an egg, we want you to boycott that egg. So I think- Symbo- oh, these are important symbolic uh, measures and moments.
1: Do you hope the BDS movement extends to countries like Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Turkey? They're also committing horrible human rights abuses against their people.
0: I guess I do. I think that um, I think that what's significant is when uh, civil society and human rights organizations in those countries make a call for bds that's that's to be heated and that's the case in the palestine case that a large number of palestine or palestinian organizations have called for bds but yes i don't see why it shouldn't extend to other serial violators of human rights
1: there's like hundreds of countries the u.s is giving foreign aid to that are committing human rights abuses israel is the biggest that we're funding mm-hmm. um when it comes to their military um that's what's really disturbing there. Zionists have gone after you personally and yeah. Mondo Weiss yes. for publishing stories on Israeli war crimes and home demolitions and okay. openly denouncing the government of Israel for doing such. Yes, Attorney David E. Bernstein, university professor and executive director of the Liberty and law center at George Mason university referred to your publication, Mondo Weiss as a hate site. How yeah. do you respond to David Bernstein?
0: Well, I haven't read his charge lately. I I, I think that, that was a was, few years back. Yes, it was. I understand. And in fairness to him, I don't know that it was about my criticism of the Israeli government. But uh, what uh, the way I'd respond is that this is a very common, anyone who supports Palestinian human rights has to be vilified and destroyed. Uh, that's been the rule in American politics. They have to be marginalized. You don't want people in the mainstream uh, supporting Palestinian rights. That's what's so important about Ayman Moheddin and uh, Mehdi Hassan talking about Palestinian human rights on MSNBC. They're not you and me talking on a podcast. They're on a major broadcast network. And Jeff Zucker, who I forget whether he was at CNN or wherever years ago, uh, laid down the law about this stuff. I don't want to see more Palestinians screaming about Israel on on uh, the network. so that was he was fulminating, uh, I forget who quoted him, but that that was policy in these organizations and that's policy politically of APAC and others uh, of the Israel lobby they do not want critics to get a place in American society uh, Israel critics to have a place a meaningful place in America in the American establishment or discourse and so, they're doing everything they can to keep the squad small. Those few Congress people who do criticize Israel, they work against them and they make sure that others don't, they're trying to make sure that others don't join the squad from minority districts in Congress in uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh and other cities. So this is a, and, and the way they do this, they the way they seek to marginalize such critics is to call them anti-Semites, as they've called me anti-Semitic and called Mondo Weiss a hate site. I think that that's fading over the years just as people understand look what do they care about Why White? they care about palestinian human rights
1: is gaza still having its water and electric rationed by the israeli government
0: i believe it is yes definitely it, it's having its water and electricity ration and that's because of the occupying uh authority uh, the, the fact that israel occupies gaza
1: how do Americans go about advocating for a lasting peace between Israel and Palestine to end the
0: occupation? I would tell them to inform themselves first. Don't, don't go off half because people take you on and you should know what you're talking about. Inform yourself. And then they should support Palestinian human rights. They should do what uh, people did in the Jim Crow South years ago uh, when they tried to end uh, the struggles there or when they tried to end the struggles in south africa political struggles they supported um, the rights uh, of black people political rights of black people so they should support palestinian political and human rights and that's the only way this conflict will be resolved is when palestinians have such rights in whatever national entity emerges from this conflict.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to say about Mondo Weiss that I didn't cover?
0: Oh, they should read Mondo Weiss because we try to publicize these issues. We try to cover them and do it thoroughly.
1: A lasting peace between Palestinians and Israelis is possible if more Americans look beyond Zionist propaganda and lift up their voices in solidarity and demand action from Congress and the president. That action should equate to no more foreign aid to Israel until the occupation ends and either a peaceful one-state or two-state solution is had. It's not for me or any American to say what that ultimate end goal for the Palestinians should be. That should be solely up to the Palestinians. The U.S. government should not be giving foreign aid to any country committing human rights abuses and or war crimes against their own people, occupants, or neighbors, and we ourselves should not be using our military to start or enter unjust wars. Besides the carnage involved, the fighting going on between the Israelis and Palestinians is helping to fuel the whole Armageddon illusion delusion among fundamentalist Christians in the United States, keeping them distracted on divisive social issues, instead of taking better care of themselves and their families. If peace is brokered between Palestinians and Israelis, that imagery fades, and the fanatics in power in our country lose that power at the polls and over our elected officials. So every American should be demanding a lasting peace between these two peoples. If you want to learn more about the Palestinian-Israeli nightmare, check out Mondo Weiss's website at MondoWeiss.net. I want to thank my special guest, Philip Weiss, for providing insight into the plight of the Palestinians. It's a tragedy the mainstream media rarely reports on the occupation from the perspective of the Palestinians. That has got to change, especially with the Israeli government murdering journalists like they do. For Mothman and the Bible Belt podcast outlet updates, guest bios, and direct links to social media, please check out mothmanandthebiblebelt.com. Thanks for listening!